Today's episode of Dog Nation Daily is brought to you by Harris Cherokee Resort. Find us online at caesars.com slash Harris Cherokee. Presented by DogNation.com, this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. Here's your host, Brandon Adams. So we are in kind of the world of mind games as you get ready for Georgia Clemson on Saturday. You've got Georgia, I think, possibly hinting that some of its injured players are healthier than they might actually be. And obviously, you want to do everything you can to get Clemson thinking about all that kind of stuff. And if you're you know, Clemson, you're doing your own version of this, the offensive coordinator for the Tigers. Tony Elliott was recently talking about the role that Darian Kendrick, the former Clemson defensive back, might play here when it, when it comes to this. So there's a lot of stuff out there you know, related to what it's going to take to win this game on Saturday. And it is quite possibly that Clemson coach Dabo Sweeney may have either very honestly and forthrightly revealed a pretty big issue for Clemson on Saturday, or this is possibly just another example of the gamesmanship and the mind games that coaches try to play ahead of a big game. You can kind of decide for yourself on that. Let me first of all do this. And This is kind of a short clip, but I think it sets the stage for where things stand right now with, you know, Clemson, who has had a competition ongoing to see who its starting center is going to be. Georgia has had an injury to his expected starting center, Warren Erickson. Smart revealing on Tuesday that Erickson's doing well. He's been practicing, but his status for Saturday, for the most part, is unknown. And, you know, there's been talk of, well, is it Jamari Salyer, who rotates from another position to start at center? Is a guy like Cedric Von Prahn, former elite recruit, who's be looking to earn his first start in all of this? Uh, One way or another, that has been a little bit of an unsettled situation for Georgia. And when Smart spoke to reporters not too long ago, he kind of explained why this truly matters. This is only a few words long, but the words themselves pack a punch about just how important this particular position is. This is Georgia coach Kirby Smart. Take a listen to this. Center is one of those positions that you can't play with. You better have a center because the play doesn't get started without that. So Kirby Smart says center is one of those positions that you can't play with. You got to have that center. Otherwise you can't even start the play. Uh, And I think that's, you know, pretty true right I mean we've seen that when it comes to um you know everything going on with Georgia uh, obviously what's happened with Warren Erickson and everything that you know has kind of gone down with uh insertion potentially of Cedric Von Prahn or the possible insertion of Jamari Sire that's one of those issues that that and we've said it up here before that if you're looking to see the Georgia offense at its best on Saturday a lot of Georgia fans have been you know paying close attention to that offensive line as it is but the center position in particular is a huge part of that. Now you got Dabo Swinney in the Clemson side of this there as well. The audio on this we don't have. I, I, I thought I did. Now I don't. So I can't play this for you. But Dabo Swinney was asked directly yesterday if he had settled on his center position yet. Dabo in the midst of all this saying, no, we may have to play multiple guys. And saying that likely there's a very good chance he will play multiple centers on Saturday and essentially shrugging all of this off and saying, hey, we got to put somebody out there and, you know, get it rolling and kind of see what happens after that, essentially kind of shrugging that off. And listen, I don't have to tell you that line coming from Dabo Swinney of, yeah, we're probably playing multiple centers, understanding how important Kirby Smart just described that as being a moment ago. I don't have to tell you because you already know how much that gets Georgia fans licking their chops about what Georgia may have a chance to do on Saturday. Wait, Clemson's so unsettled at center? 
that it's going to play multiple guys during the game. That is not typically what most teams would want to do. You want to have that guy that provides a level of comfort, a security blanket, if you will, for Tigers quarterback DJ Uyunglele. You want to be settled at center. So is this really true? Is Dabo really going to play multiple centers? Or is this just his way of poor mounting his own team? We've talked before in the last few days about the tradition of guys like Larry Munson around Georgia or Vince Dooley, the legendary former coach, and their way of kind of sandbagging and making it sound like their team had no chance against the big bad opponent they were about to play. And maybe this is Dabo Swinney's own version of that. And, you know, you can obviously read about the three guys who've been kind of competing here and and kind of, you know, maybe who has that edge and, and, and who doesn't. But I guess there's a part of me, and I said this this morning, I made an appearance on uh, our radio partner, 960 The Ref, I made an appearance on their morning show as I do each and every Wednesday. And what I said was, it's almost like to my ears, as someone who's obviously a fan of Georgia, wants UGA to win the game on Saturday, it's almost to my ears as if this is just too good to be true, right? Because if it really is true that, oh my gosh, Clemson doesn't know its center and it's going to have to throw a bunch of guys out there rotating them to even figure out who it has, then honestly, that becomes a great, great chance for Georgia to show its teeth with an area on this roster that's probably the deepest of them all on the defensive line. And in particular, the guy for Georgia who lines up opposite on the other side of the ball from that center, the nose guard Jordan Davis. I mean, listen, it's time to get very specific with predictions. It's time to not him and haw about what might happen and get very real about what is going to happen for Georgia this year. My personal belief is, Jordan Davis is the best player on Georgia's roster. My personal belief is he's about to show that in a big way this season, and he may start showing you that from the word go against Clemson on Saturday. And this for me is true, whether Clemson secretly really does have its center situation figured out and everything's fine there, or certainly it becomes more likely to be true if there's any hint of truth to what Dabo Swinney told reporters on Tuesday, which is, hey, we may be rotating guys there. I don't care who your center is. You can have Mike Webster over there. I don't care who your center is. When you look at having to line up across from Jordan Davis on Saturday, Georgia's best chance to win a game like this is to have a guy like Davis truly matter. We've got a recent track record of interior defensive linemen who've left the SEC and gone on to the first round of the NFL draft. Think about Javon Kinlaw from South Carolina. Think about Derek Brown from Auburn. These were good defensive tackles that for their teams, especially in their final years, were more than just the space eaters, more than just the block occupiers, more than just the guys who freed things up for linebackers. They themselves were the kinds of guys that were capable of wreaking havoc. And I believe against Clemson, against every game after that, I believe you're about to see the same kind of stuff for Jordan Davis. Obviously in his hometown of Charlotte on Saturday, but this is a guy who came back to Georgia for a reason. Lead Georgia to a championship success, but be part of his own maturation as well with a chance to really get the attention of NFL scouts. In fact, very interesting exchange yesterday when Georgia coach Kirby Smart spoke to the reporters, our buddy Connor Riley, who's uh, after being a little bit sick, was able to uh, be able to be a part of that Zoom call last night and was able to ask Kirby directly a question that we've talked about on this show many times. The idea that Jordan Davis is now not just a first and second down run stop guy, but now he's also a third down player as well, getting after quarterbacks. And Kirby Smart took that topic head on yesterday. Take a listen to this. I mean, he's uh, elite at uh, pocket push. He's uh, elite power. Um, one of the strongest uh, kids I've ever been around. 
Um, he helps you the way he, he's able to run games and things because he's he's just different. I mean, there's just nobody quite like him uh, in terms of the volume and the reps. But he, he has a third down role for us, yes. Um, but his primary role is first and second down, obviously. And he's worked really hard to improve his quickness. And that's been one of the areas that uh, most he knows. He knows that when he's he's in there, that, that there's less there's less run game in between those A gaps with him in there. So it's. It's all about can he affect the perimeter and can he cover down and do things. And that's what we've tried to work really hard on. When you're in the presence of Davis in person, you can't help but be in awe of how big he is. This is a giant of a man. He blocks out the sun, literally speaking. And you hear Georgia coach Kirby Smart there say he's also worked on his quickness. He's also improved his mobility. This is a guy that's also added to his to his athletic repertoire to go along with the gigantic size that's made him a run-stopping force, literally probably the best run-stopping defensive lineman in college football uh, on first and second down the last couple of years. Now he's also quicker, more athletic there as well. I think that Dabo Swinney's probably poor-mouthing his team a little bit when he says, I don't have my center figured out. Hey, we may rotate guys there. I think that's gamesmanship from Sweeney. But even if you do have center figured out, you may have that spot on your roster figured out. I'm guessing you don't have Jordan Davis figured out. And... If you're looking for one of the main reasons why, if you're thinking about Georgia victory on Saturday, one of the guys that needs to be in the spotlight, a guy who ought to fill a prominent portion of our discussion coming up on Monday in the aftermath of that game, if that is indeed the case, I think you look no further than Jordan Davis. This could be a big year for Davis and no better place, no better time to get that started in his hometown of Charlotte, just a few you know steps away from Mallard Creek High School where he, where he grew up. Uh, against a big-time Clemson team, huge national stage, possibly a coming-out party for Davis. If there's issues along the Clemson offensive line, it makes it easier. But easy, hard, whatever else, Jordan Davis, I believe, is going to do what needs to be done against the Tigers coming up on Saturday night. My name's Brandon Adams, and this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. Presented today by Harris Cherokee Casino Resort. We are glad to have you with us, no matter how you get to us today, live on video, 10 a.m. Uh, we're on the page at dognation.com. We're on the Dog Nation app. We're Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Twitch, uh, all kinds of video platforms. So fun to be able to reach folks so many different ways via video. Also, the podcast platform, the podcast lately not to, you know, we don't talk numbers around here very much. The podcast has kind of been on fire a little bit lately, which is kind of a fun thing to be able to see ahead of the upcoming season. And all those platforms, the Apple Player, the the Google Player, WorldFamousDogNation.com, uh, all kinds of ways. Spotify, some of you listen directly via uh, SoundCloud, uh, all kinds of fun stuff. Radio at noon, the Athens Sports Radio 960 Ref. It is just really, really enjoyable for me to share this show so many different ways and big thanks to our friends at harris cherokee casino resort for making all that possible and listen some of you already think about harris right now because just a two-hour drive from where i am sitting right here in the metropolitan atlanta area you can get to harris cherokee casino resort whether it's the original harris cherokee casino resort or harris cherokee valley river and you love the casino table games you love the gourmet restaurants you love the world-class spa the 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 you know certainly high fashion shopping opportunities you love all of that but you're also very well aware as we enter into the college football season that the book is open sports gaming is available for you right there in the mountains of western north carolina that means you got a strong opinion on georgia clemson you got a strong opinion on bama miami 
The other big games are going to be played during the opening weekend. You can go to Harris Cherokee Casino Resort and you get your action down on those games. Uh, that's a really cool thing and a, a fun thing to be able to do. So enjoy that. Enjoy the casino and play golf. It's Koya National. Just a wonderful getaway. Harris Cherokee Casino Resort. You can find out more online. Caesars.com slash Harris-Cherokee. That's Caesars.com slash Harris-Cherokee. All right. Before we're done today, a uh, bizarre situation for South Carolina when it comes to their starting quarterback for the season open. We'll tell you about that. Texas A&M and Coach Jimbo Fisher, they are in the news there today there as well for the, the same reason the Aggies seem to always be in the news. We will talk about that before we're done. Our buddy Connor Riley will stop by. We'll dive deep into everything for Georgia Clemson on Saturday. But first, I want to go around the doghouse, furnished today by our friends at Rooms to Go. And there was a very revealing moment yesterday from Kirby Smart, the likes of which we don't often get. And it was set up by something that Smart had said previously. We have talked about Smart's appearance with Marty and McGee. Now, listen, to be honest with you, I'm not always the biggest fan of Marty and McGee. To me, I'm a true Southerner. Some of the Marty McGee stuff to me feels like shtick, but but nonetheless, uh, Marty McGee sat down with Smart, the other SEC coach. I actually watched some of the shows that they did. It's been on the SEC Network, and I, I mean, I have to admit, I think they've, they've all been you know pretty good. The Smart one included, and one of the things that Smart talked about a lot in that interview was his belief that Georgia was eventually going to kick in the door and win a national championship. And to be honest, that's not always the kind of thing that Smart says when he's speaking to the typical beat writer contingent that that surrounds him on a typical press conference. So yesterday, one of the reporters said, hey, I saw you on the SEC Network tell uh, you know Marty McGee that you thought Georgia was eventually going to win a national championship why do you feel that way? And Smart, much the same way he was pretty candid about this with the SEC Network guys, was also pretty candid yesterday in his belief that eventually it's only a matter of time before Georgia accomplishes the goal that we would all say is a very reasonable expectation for the dogs. This is pretty good stuff from Kirby Smart. Take a listen. Well, it has to be coming, right? I mean, if it's not coming, then what are we doing? <laughs> I mean, so I, I don't look at it in perspective of when. I look at it in perspective of uh, what's important now, what are we doing now? And uh, I know the people in this organization, I know the administration, I know the people in the state, I know the people that love Georgia and uh, the energy enthusiasm they have. It's just, it, it's always long overdue, right? I don't care if you won one three years ago, it's overdue. For me, that's, that's, that's the end game, that's the goal, that's what you're always trying to work towards. It doesn't make it a successful season if, or failure if you don't. I don't. I just don't look at things that way. I don't let that control my, my thought process in my life. But I certainly uh, pursue excellence, and that's what excellence is. I love that line there at the end. As a person, I pursue excellence, and the definition of excellence in my profession is winning a national championship. But I think one of the best things about Kirby Smart is the fact that from the word go, go back and find the old video in 2016 when he first took this job, or I guess it would have been like December of 2015 when he was announced. Go back and find those old videos. And even at the time, he embraced the gigantic expectations that exist in a place like Georgia. And as an alumnus of the university, he also has an understanding for how the the long-suffering Georgia fan psyche and mentality contribute to those expectations because he gets the restlessness that comes with having been a Georgia fan and I think that's one of the best things about Kirby Smart 
Now, at the beginning of the comment there, if you want to nitpick a little bit, the idea of it has to be coming, you know, the national championship. Unfortunately, that's not necessarily true. And I think that Kirby Smart knows that. I think that maybe maybe he just kind of misspoke at the beginning of that clip that it is not a foregone conclusion that it's going to happen. It's not a natural progress, right? I mean, the early stages of development as a coach and as a team, some of those first steps can be a little bit easy. But as they say, the last couple of steps are truly a doozy. You don't just stand pat, wait, and have the championship come to you. Unfortunately, in the sport that we're in now with so few teams, even – I mean, there's only a small number of teams who even have a reasonable idea they could win a national championship. Thankfully, Georgia's one of those. Uh, that you – in that small room that only features the likes of the Alabamas and maybe the LSUs, certainly Clemson, probably Ohio State – Georgia, and that's really about it. There is nobody else in that room. Texas a may be trying to get in there, or somebody else may be trying to get in there, but for the most part, the teams that can win a national championship are the ones that I just mentioned. So in that battle royale of those small handful of teams, you can't just wait patiently for your turn to arrive. you got to take it from somebody else, and the way you take that is by being as dynamic as you need to be offensively and, and unlocking the defensive guys you have to not just play gap sound, fundamentally strong football, but actually go out there and wreak havoc against quarterbacks, freeing them to do what they obviously dream about doing, and that's one of the things I think that Georgia fans hope to see this upcoming year. Not Georgia patiently waiting for its turn to win a national championship, but going out there and actually taking that national championship, which obviously turns our attention back to Saturday against Clemson, a team that's done that a couple of times. And listen, Georgia can't win a national championship on Saturday, right? You've got a whole season after that, and smart these Georgia players who've pointed that out continuously are correct to point that out, that you can only win one game on Saturday. The actual championship games come after that, and frankly, it's the games that Georgia plays after Clemson that even allow you to qualify for that championship. You've got to win the SEC to uh, get in that position, and we understand all of that. But just because Georgia can't win a championship doesn't mean that it can't do something pretty important. Because here's the thing you know, and Smart just touched on this, that hey, you know, it's been a long time since Georgia won a national championship. Smart says no matter how long ago it had been, it would have always been too long because you're always ready for the next one. But we know, I mean, we know that that, that Georgia's been waiting for a while to win this national championship since 1980. And here's the thing you're also kind of aware of there too is much the same way that fans go back and forth about all this kind of stuff, coaches kind of do the same thing, negative recruiting on the recruiting trail. That's obviously an issue that Georgia faces. I had a couple of people send this to me, and I'm sorry, I don't remember the the Twitter handle of the person who sent that because I would normally want to give credit. But I guess there's old video that Justin Flo, the the linebacker, once shared when he was taking a recruiting visit to Clemson, and Brent Venables, the Clemson defensive coordinator, was taking Flo on a tour around the facility. This is one of those things it was like on Instagram Live or streamed on Facebook or you know something along those lines. And Venables is showing all those national championship trophies that Clemson and knowing that Flo had been kind of a uh, a potential I guess factor and in, in Georgia had been a potential factor in his recruitment there as well Venable said something leaked audio here and I don't I can't verify this is real I have no reason to believe it's not um, but Venable said something that you know if you want a window and kind of how the negative recruiting against Georgia goes, this might be an example of that. This is Clemson defensive coordinator Brent Venables, at least purported to be, from a leaked audio of a recruiting visit from Justin Flo some years ago. Take a listen to this. For the champs led right here. Really? It's a champion. It's been 40 years since, since Georgia, so yeah. we have to <laughs> right here. That's right. If, if we keep in track. 
We keep in track, he says there at the end of that clip, trying to sound cool. So here, here's the point, and we'll wrap this up. Georgia can't win a national championship on Saturday. It's just one game, one start to one season. But they can shut that up. You know, a program like Clemson saying we're better than Georgia because we have won national championships, Georgia has it, and on the recruiting trail, you know, 1980, it's been 40 years. Good luck trying to sell that to recruits if those same recruits, and by the way, we'll talk to Jeff about this on Friday, there is a long list of folks going to be in the building in Charlotte on Saturday. Good luck trying to sell to those recruits that, oh, it's been 1980 since Georgia won a national championship, their ancient history. Good luck trying to sell that as a negative recruiting pitch on the recruiting trail going forward if those same recruits see Georgia drag Clemson all over that field on Saturday. We're keeping track. Yeah, Georgia may be keeping track come Saturday there as well of the fact that Clemson has had the easy track through the SEC and I should say through the ACC and some of the things it's got a chance to take advantage of. Georgia's trek through the SEC, a little different and all of that. Georgia's wanted that head-to-head game. They want to invite the comparison of these two programs, Georgia and Clemson, that have battled for guys like Justin Flo and others. They want to see what it looks like to see these two teams on the field together at the same time. And you better believe that behind the scenes, Venables and those other guys are saying that and more about what George isn't. And frankly, I'm not scandalized by negative recruiting. It goes on. I'm not worried about it. If you get your feelings hurt easily, recruiting's just not for you. It's a full contact sport. There is hand-to-hand combat when it comes to, to uh, you know, who gets a chance to, to win which recruiting battles. But that doesn't mean that you also don't use a chance to do something on the field to shut all that up and to make it impossible to negative recruit against Georgia going forward. Yes, Georgia may have to wait a while for its national championship opportunity, but it doesn't have to wait very long to beat Clemson on the field and make it a lot harder for Clemson to say anything negative on the trail about Georgia going forward. So keep that in mind, the words of Brent Venables. Let that ring in your ears as Georgia goes out and gets a chance to get a little pound of flesh coming up Saturday night there in Charlotte. That is Around the Doghouse. It's furnished today by our friends at Rooms to Go, and it is so good to have Rooms to Go with us because, listen, I've had a lot of furniture in my house over the years that has been furnished by Rooms to Go. And the cool thing is, whether you want a furniture piece, you want the entire room taken care of, you want kind of like an accent piece, any kind of you know decor item, it can all be there for you at Rooms to Go. And you can stop by and see one of their showrooms and kind of put your hands on it and figure it out yourself. You can start your shopping experience online at RoomsToGo.com. You want to upgrade the look inside your home. You want to make that room feel more comfortable. You make it more enjoyable more uh, the kind of thing that you're proud to bring friends and family over, give them a chance to see. Rooms to Go can do all that for you. As I said before, you want the individual piece, you want the full room furnished, you need that perfect, you know, uh, accent piece for the for the extra decor whatever you want it's all right there for you at rooms to go so stop by and see them locations all over uh, our great state and wherever you are there as well but also online at rooms to go.com make sure you check that out and it is great to have rooms to go furnishing around the doghouse for us here today all right so very busy show for us obviously emotions running high for georgia against clemson on saturday as you might imagine and let's keep that conversation going right now for all the stuff, practice, coaches, players, the things that have been said, the situation on the other side with Clemson, let's do it all with Connor Riley right now. Kroger Fresh Take with him, and good to have all of you with us too. From Athens and across the SEC or wherever the recruiting trail may lead, here's a DogNation.com insider. 
Connor Riley, who was uh, on the uh, the uh, pup list yesterday, is it uh, physically unable to perform? He was on the pup list yesterday, but he's he's feeling better here today, and it's good to have him as a part of our Kroger Fresh Take here on Dog Nation Daily uh, here today, uh, Connor. Listen, we live for college football season, but you know this, and we've said this so many times with so many people this week. While we live for the season, even within the season, you don't get too many that feel like this, where, I mean, there's just fever pitch of emotion, folks fired up on both sides. You know, you just, you, you're lucky as a fan or a person working in broadcast media, or I guess written media there too, uh, you're, you're just lucky to have some games like this to, to really sink your teeth into. And it seems like thus far, everybody's enjoying it. Just please let us still be enjoying this come Saturday night, Sunday morning. Uh, but nonetheless, uh, what, what a great week it's been thus far. Yeah, you know, you think back recent seasons, there's probably been one game a year between two, one regular season game a year between two top five teams. And to Georgia to get that right out of the gate, I think is going to be something that's very much looking forward to. And, you know, I think it's going to be a pretty great game. These two teams, I know Kirby Smart sort of dissuaded the notion that they were similar, but. They match up, I think, really well together. I'm going to be really interested to see how DJ, Uyunglele, and JT Daniels play off against each other because with how I think even those two teams are, whichever quarterback is able to make more plays, I think he's going to end up winning this game. So let me bounce a couple things with you here for a moment. Let me start with Dabo Sweeney yesterday, poor-mouthing his team, rotating at center. Listen, I just don't think I've been living well enough, Connor, to truly earn this. You know, the idea that Clemson really could be deficient at center, knowing how strong Georgia is up the middle defensively. That's a huge advantage for Georgia if it's true. I'm just not the kind of person that will even allow myself to believe that life could be that easy. My guess is Dabo Sweeney is probably sandbagging here a little bit. That, And listen, honestly, I don't even really care who the starting center for Clemson is, but if they if they know who it is and that, and that guy's earned their trust during practice, then that's kind of all that matters to me. And I'm assuming the latter is more true than the former, that Dabo knows his center and just playing games with his press conference yesterday. Do you agree? It can't be this easy. I've got a big feature that I've been working on for a while coming out on Jordan Davis tomorrow. And it can't be like he, you can't make it that easy for him. He is one of the best defensive linemen in all of college football an absolute monster in the run-stuffing game, and I'm really interested to see how much he's used in a pass-rushing role. But you think of dominant defensive line performances in college football, I think of the last 15 years, you think of Dominican Sue, what he did to Texas in the 2009 Big 12 championship game. I don't think Jordan Davis will do that, but if Clemson doesn't have its ducks in a row in the middle of that line, he's going to make things incredibly difficult for D.J. Uyunglele and that Clemson offense. I think Davis is Jordan's, uh, Georgia's best player. Do you agree? I think you'd have to say that as of right now. Now, if George Pickens were healthy, maybe you could throw him in there. But on September 4th, he will be the best player for Georgia on that football field. Yeah, so it's fun to think about all of that. The other thing that I brought up was, and a couple of people had shared some uh, audio with me, like an old thing that supposedly Brent Venables talking about Georgia not winning a national championship since uh, 1980 and how they're keeping track of all of that. I told our audience, I don't get scandalized by recruiting stuff. I mean, people say things in the recruiting trail. That's just kind of how it goes around here. But it is a reminder, Connor, that that Georgia's got a lot to play for on Saturday. It's just one game. But, man, you can either go a long way towards quieting a very unpleasant narrative or or you can, unfortunately, amplify that to a degree that's going to make most UGA fans uncomfortable. We talked on yesterday's show about the belief that the Georgia players themselves have a chance to earn in themselves by winning a game like this. 
it just seems like there's so much unlocked by a win. I, I treat this game as a very big deal for Georgia. Mathematically, they're still very much alive for the college football playoff, even if they do lose. But sometimes football is about more than just pragmatic, you know, uh, tangible things. Sometimes there's a little bit of a mystical, intangible element that kind of hovers above all of this. And for Georgia, knowing its recent backstory, for Clemson, knowing its recent backstory, to me, symbolically, there is a lot on the line on Saturday. Do you agree with that? Yeah, this game infinitely means more to Georgia than it does Clemson. Now, if Clemson loses, they can say, oh, you know, first game replacing Trevor Lawrence, one of the best quarterbacks in college football history, first game replacing Travis Etienne, all-time ACC leading rusher, all the sort of turnovers that they've had. And while we've all sort of written off that Georgia can go 11-0 against the rest of its schedule, Clemson absolutely can, just given the talent gap between them and the rest of the ACC. With Georgia, as you sort of just laid out there, this game means so much more, maybe not so much for JT Daniels, but certainly for Kirby Smart and the narrative that has been built around him. He goes out and wins this. Well, yes, it's not beating Alabama, the, the true white will that he has to try and conquer. It, it would be a lot for him and give him a real signature victory, more so than he, I, I think maybe even that win over Oklahoma in the, in the 2017 Rose Bowl because if you're not beating Alabama, beating Clemson is the next best you can get to to beating the top teams in the sport. And so I think that would be a huge call to put on the wall for Kirby Smart and really show that, yeah, I, sure, while we haven't done it against Alabama yet, we can do it against any great team in this country, including Clemson. I'm curious of your opinion on this. Kirby Smart downplays it. It seems like Tony Elliott, the Clemson offensive coordinator, may have built it up a little bit. What do you think Darian – now, Kendrick's a good player, so obviously he's an on-field factor. But what do you think the, the, the presence of Kendrick, having like five minutes ago been on the Clemson roster, now being at Georgia – how much of a factor, you know, inside information, tricks of the trade, how much does Kendrick provide Georgia in this game, in your opinion? I'd probably side with Kirby Smart, maybe not necessarily as much as we think. You know, he probably knows personnel, like individual, like how, you know, Joe Nada likes to get out of his routes or things like that. But in terms of schematic breakdowns, in terms of knowing the ins and the outs, it's very rare for a player to know what every single player is doing on the field at one point in time. So I, from that standpoint, I maybe downplay the role that Kendrick has in, ter in terms of the intricate knowledge he has of this Clemson defense and Clemson team as a whole. But in terms of like individual things of what guys like to do, I think maybe there he might have a leg up. I mean, the one thing, and people think I'm joking when I say this, but I mean, you can go back and read some very serious college football writers who've examined this topic in detail. Clemson is known for being great at sign stealing. And, you know, listen, as long as you're not using, like, technology or something like that, then maybe all is fair and, you know, loving college football. It may not be cheating to use the sign stealing. It may just be a thing that Clemson is good at doing with their own naked eye or whatever else. But I'd like to think that maybe Kendrick makes it a little harder to steal signs. Maybe he knows a little something about that. I mean, there are plenty of people before that Ohio State game that that were saying that the Buckeyes were treating that as a real factor in the game, that you had to be aware of the fact that Clemson was just pretty good at figuring out what it was you were going to do before you did it. I'd like to think that Kendrick makes that maybe a, a, a little easier, um, if that's even really a thing. I don't know about that, but I will say I, you bring up that Ohio State game. The Buckeyes in that game did a great job of using tempo to try and offset Clemson stealing signs there. And so because of that, I think that's something that Georgia's going to try and sprinkle in. You know, obviously, I think this game's going to be a low-scoring affair. I love the under this week. But it's going to be interesting to see how Georgia mixes in tempo throughout this game as a way to try and maybe catch that Clemson defense off guard 
while they are trying to sort of diagnose what Georgia might be doing. So you're going to have to sell me on the under on this for a moment. We'll obviously make our picks as a part of Go With The Flow for uh, later on the week on the Dog Nation video channels. But I went back and looked at this, and I talked about this as part of our first in 15 on one of the days this week. You know, the last seven times Clemson's lost, they've only lost seven times since 2015. They've been the college football playoff every year since then. Only seven losses over that span. And on average... The team that has beaten Clemson has scored 40 points, that it's taken a lot of points to beat Clemson. You look at their record against the SEC, uh, which is very good. They've only been a couple of SEC teams to beat them over that span. On average, SEC teams in those games only scoring 21 points. So you see a lot of SEC teams not getting it done against Clemson. A lack of scoring seems to be a commonality. Uh, You look at the teams that do beat uh, Clemson, obviously an SEC team like LSU and Ohio State a year ago, you know, Alabama going back a number of years in the college football playoff, even the Pitt team that beat them in kind of a surprising fashion a few years before that. The teams that beat Clemson seem to find a way to score points. I'm not saying that Georgia has to score 40 on Saturday because I don't think it can, but I think it probably needs to score 30, and I think that does bring the over-under into play, but regardless of the betting angle on this you think that Georgia can win this game on Saturday with scoring fewer than 30 points because I don't I do and I think they're going to have to I I think Clemson's defensive line is the best part of their team Georgia's defensive line is the best part of theirs I think the biggest question mark for this game is Clemson's offensive line I think the second biggest is Georgia's defensive line I think with the way that bleeds into this matchup I have major questions about just how frequently these teams are going to be scoring I don't think Clemson's going to be able to run the football at all if we're here talking questions, concerns about Georgia's run defense on Monday or Tuesday, I'd be stunned. And so because of that, I think it's going to be a low-scoring game. And unless Georgia really does start ripping off those big runs, because I do think Georgia is better set up as a run-blocking team than a pass-blocking team, I I just think both these teams are really going to struggle to score points. And it's going to be, I I think, 23-17, you know, a a low-scoring, a lot of field goals affair. I want to ask you more about the Clemson skill guys in just a moment. Let me remind folks, this is our Kroger Fresh Take with Connor Riley here on Dog Nation Daily here today. And obviously, we're thinking heavy football for the weekend, but it's also a holiday weekend. A lot of you getting settled in for for what some people kind of the final farewell to summer when it comes to Labor Day holiday. Obviously, it's a great chance to enjoy for many of you a day off on Monday. Of course, we'll be here for you on Dog Nation Daily as per usual. But uh, nonetheless, uh, a fun holiday weekend for many folks. And as you're thinking about getting stocked up for that, the same way you've gotten stocked up for all your grilling items and outdoor furniture and all the stuff at Kroger all summer long, that continues here for the Labor Day holiday weekend there as well. So if you'll check out Kroger.com slash summer, you can find out a lot more about that and get stocked up for everything you need for a fun weekend. Hopefully you're celebrating a Georgia victory on Sunday and Monday. But either way, get stocked up for it at Kroger, Kroger.com slash summer for more on that. Connor, for the folks who are only interested in the Georgia side of this and maybe not really following the Clemson news as much, it is really interesting how I'll use the same word I've used to describe the Clemson offensive line, somewhat unsettled. The competition at running back is for Clemson. The wide receiver stuff is kind of seemingly all over the place a little bit. I mean, this is a Clemson team, and so therefore you assume the backs and receivers they trot out on Saturday are Clemson-caliber running backs and receivers. I'm not expecting either of those groups to be deficient, to be frank. But, I mean, I think if you ask Clemson fans who gets the first carry for their team on Saturday, you might get several different answers. And, you know, the receiver position, even beyond Justin Ross, uh, assuming he's fully healthy on Saturday, is a little bit of an unknown there, too. As I said before, I'm not going to use that as fodder to, to make it make me believe that it's easy for Georgia on Saturday. 
But man, there are not a ton of givens with that Clemson skill position group right now. A lot of talented potential, but but not a lot of guys that Clemson fans know for sure what they're going to get right now. Right. I, I mean, Clemson has to replace their top three receivers from last season. And, you know, as far as the running backs go, I think this whole thing is a smoke show. I think they're going to give the ball to Will Shipley quite often on Saturday. I think he's going to be their leading ball carry. I think it could be something similar to like what we saw with Tanks Bigsby for the Auburn game last year where, you know, yeah, they had more veteran ball carriers there, but Shipley, much like I think Bigsby, just brings a different element that in a game against a, a talented defense like Georgia has, you just need out there. And as far as wide receivers, I look, we all have heard a lot of great things about Joe Nada, Frank Lasted, E.J. Williams as well, but a lot of those guys are unproven and have not played a defense as good as the Georgia one has. Obviously, there are some concerns on the outside, you know, who's going to be that other starting cornerback opposite Darian Kendrick, and Kendrick has had his own struggles against elite passing offenses. But, you know, I think D.J. Oyelowo is going to have to throw a lot of these guys open and make really impressive plays. And so because of that, I, I think you're going to put a lot on the quarter, on the shoulders of a quarterback who this is his third career start and by far I think the toughest defense that he has had to face in his college career to this point. I've been asked a lot about who Georgia's receivers are going to be on Saturday. And if you kind of think about – I don't really use the word starter a ton. I think more, more like you know who gets targeted the most, who's on the field the most. And I guess the assumption that I'm making is, despite the fact that he's maybe still a little bit banged up, Kiaris Jackson will be one of those. I expect Jermaine Burton to be one of those. And I guess my third name mayor would be Marcus Roseme Jackson with maybe like A.D. Mitchell just on the outside of that group right now. What do you make of the top trio for Georgia on Saturday? Who do you expect it to be? Yeah, I expect those same three guys. I would actually say I think James Cook finishes in the top three of the Georgia receptions or receiving yards that day. I think he, you've got to get him heavily involved in, in the passing game there. I think he's going to open up a lot of things, especially against Clemson's running backs or linebackers there. But I think you also need a big game from Jermaine Burton specifically here. We'll, I'll be interested to see how Kiaris Jackson is coming off that knee. Uh, but I'm not expecting a huge game from him. Marcus Rosemary Jack saying, wow, I, I think he's got a high ceiling. You know, second game, or his first game off of a serious ankle injury and, and hasn't really proven himself yet even before that ankle injury. I, I think you need a guy like Burton to really step up and show, hey, well, we don't have George Pickens. I'm an incredibly talented wide receiver making big plays in, in big games, sort of like he did last year against Alabama where you know didn't have a great game. But found the end zone, four catches for 54 yards. You know He's going to have to up that if Georgia's going to beat Clemson on Saturday. But he's not going to be afraid of the moment. And so because of that, I think Burton's a guy that you need to have a big game. Um, I think I know what the Georgia offensive line is going to be on Saturday, and I know it's kind of hard to just rattle off five names. That ends up being a little bit of information overload. But, I mean, McClendon's obviously given there on the right side. So a tackle, the other four, give me what you think that's going to be. I think Jamari Sire is going to be your left tackle. I think Justin Schaefer is going to be your left guard, and that's a lock. I think Tate Ratledge is going to be your right guard, and that is a lock. And I think they're going to start Cedric Von Prahn, and they're going to use Warren Erickson as sort of that sixth offensive lineman who can rotate and move around and do some things, depending on how the rest of the offensive line plays. But I wouldn't be shocked if Erickson is starting. I did notice yesterday that Erickson does have a much smaller cast on his snapping hand now. But I, I still think they maybe go with Von Prahn, see what he gives them. And if, you know, he struggles in that game, which he certainly could. Clemson has, again, as we talked about, a very good defensive line. I, I think maybe then you'd possibly see Warren Erickson slide in there at center. But they've got really, I think, six guys for five spots. This is like rampant speculation now, but what are the chances you think that maybe Erickson plays a guard position as opposed to just center on Saturday? 
I could certainly see that. He has experience there. And, again, it's Kate Ratledge's first career start. I'm not saying he's going to be overwhelmed by the moment or anything like that. But I, I think Warren Erickson is a much more known quantity at one of those guard spots. And I think that would maybe make things easier for Cedric Von Braun in terms of making calls and seeing where the defense is because he has experience doing that. I thought it was really interesting here Kirby yesterday talking about his running backs. And I think he said something. I believe this was yesterday. I think he said something in effect of, I probably feel the way about my running backs that Clemson does, but it's defensive line. It just seems like these guys have been here for a while. And, you know, obviously you could tell just the body language and the language that Smart has used, but these guys going back the last couple of months, that there's a high confidence level there. When I start thinking about, you know, George winning this game, and I've been pushing this now for a while, but one way or another, the the presence of these Georgia backs, the depth that exists there, and I know people get kind of fascinated with the well, who gets how many carries and how do you divide all that up? And frankly, I'm not that interested in that part of this just for right now. I'm looking at a position group that features a bunch of guys that I truly believe are capable of playing, and the the sheer volume of that talent you got to try to find a way to make that matter on Saturday. You mentioned throwing the ball to James Cook. I'd love to see him thrown to. I'd love to see other running backs thrown to there as well. Creative ways to get the running game going here so that you know it, it, it's additive to the rest of the offense and allows chains to be moved so that there can be you know big explosive passing plays there too. But and when you think about just the overall depth, there aren't going to be very many position groups where Georgia's got more of it than it has at running back. And you got to find a way to make that really matter on Saturday. Almost any key to victory for me um, includes just a lot of running backs. Not conservative game plan. That's not what I want. But I want talented players to matter, and Georgia's got a bunch of them at the back spot. Georgia needs two running backs to play really well. I think one of those has to be James Cook, and we'll see who that second one is. It could be Zemir White, who I think is going to get your first carry in that game and certainly has the experience and you know has looked better as he's gotten farther away from that ACL injury. Obviously, Kendall Milton has as high a ceiling as anyone in that running back room, and Kenny McIntosh is also someone who can be an impact in the passing game there, and I absolutely expect to get a lot of snaps and see the field quite often on Saturday. I think you hit the nail on the head there. George's got to find a way to be creative with its running backs because they are so deep, but you know it'd be easy to just try and do the three yards in a cloud of dust offense, but I don't think that sets up well for Georgia if they're going to try and win this game. But we need to be talking about on Monday – the depth in this Georgia running back room and how it absolutely swung this game for the Bulldogs because if it doesn't happen, I just don't see them winning. Uh, one final thing before we let you go, and I'm sure you've been following this there as well, this is quietly turning into a pretty big deal for recruiting there too. And, you know, these neutral site games can kind of be weird on that. You know, uh, sometimes we see, you know, uh, recruiting stuff completely prohibited. My understanding is for Saturday that's not the case. Uh, and there's a, you know, online chatter, long list of, of big recruits are going to be there. Walter Nolan, I think I understand he's expecting to be there. That's the example of the the kinds of players who are expected to be there. we got a pretty good little list working on that. So for those of us who believe these kinds of games are measuring sticks for future recruiting success, and certainly for the 2022 class, lots of eyes on Georgia, that would seem to be both literally and figuratively speaking for a game like this because it sounds like you know, one of the reasons why this is such a hot ticket is because half the people in the stands are going to be elite recruits, at least on the basis of some of the chatter that I've read. Yeah, I mean, from a recruiting standpoint, again, and I think this, this goes into why this game means so much for Georgia, more so than Clemson, is, you know, you beat Clemson, Georgia recruits head-to-head against Clemson for elite prospects, I, I think at this point in time, more so than it does Alabama. So the guys you're going against them for, uh, Oscar Delp comes to mind, Walter Nolan, A.J. Harris in the 2023 class, Labius Overton in the 2023 class. A lot of the guys that Georgia is in on, those top prospects, 
They're also considering Clemson more often than not. And there are a, a number of guys on both rosters that it came down to a Georgia or a Clemson decision. And so to have a feather in your cap like this and say, hey, I know Clemson is your number two school, but we went head-to-head on a neutral field, a game you happened to attend and beat them. Well, I think individual game results carry very little weight overall in recruitment. I do think this is a very big measuring stick for Georgia to show how they match up to the Clemson program and say, hey, I know Clemson does things differently. They do things their own way. But we do in a way as well, and we were able to go out there on a field and beat them. Connor, terrific stuff. It's uh, good to have you out there on the uh, beat here for us right now. I know you got a lot of great written pieces. You mentioned a really good story coming up on Jordan Davis, which I'm looking forward to read. Uh, that is going to be a ton of fun, and obviously a lot as we get ready for the Dogs against Clemson on Saturday. Can't wait for it. And we'll, of course, look forward to speaking to you here as part of Kroger Fresh Take again on Dog Nation Daily again very soon, too. Yep, as always, it was a pleasure, B.F. Let's take a look around the rest of the league. This is SEC Through. It's getting fun, y'all. Can't wait for Georgia Clemson on Saturday. Really good stuff from Connor Riley on all of that. And, of course, a lot of you getting stocked up for that tailgate right now, too. And as you think about doing that, think about the finished long drink. And there's four different varieties uh, I heard from a guy uh, yesterday. He's got, I guess, all. I'm going to show him as a part of a golden shoe later on this week. But I guess he had all four varieties shipped to his house because he wanted to be able to try all of them, which is kind of a fun thing uh, to be able to consider. But you get the long drink strong. A lot of you like that for the obvious reasons. Eight and a half percent alcohol by volume. The long drink cranberry, long drink zero, which is a lot of fun there too. A long drink traditional there as well. So uh, just really, really uh, fun. I like the traditional because I like the grapefruit and the gin flavor together. It's a ready-to-drink cocktail right out of the can. It started in Finland back in the 1950s when the summer games were in Helsinki. It's been in the United States of America for the last couple of years, and it is wherever you are now there as well. So if you go to thelongdrink.com, you can find out more about that. Thelongdrink.com to find out more about that. All right, transition here to our SEC through. And this is kind of a crazy story coming out of South Carolina. I guess in a roundabout way, it's kind of a good story. But although if you're a Gamecock fan, I'm not quite sure what you think about that. So Zeb Nolan was a former quarterback at North Dakota State. Now, North Dakota State's a terrific program, and obviously they've had you know great quarterback history there. Uh, and so Nolan was actually coming to South Carolina to work as a graduate assistant. This was essentially a, like a like going to be a staffer on the program working as a GA. And obviously you know that Luke Doty, the South Carolina expected starting quarterback, sustained an injury. And so they were scrambling and had to have a you know kind of a last minute quarterback competition. Well, lo and behold, Nolan, who had been a former quarterback and was going to be a GA, had eligibility left. They just put him on the active roster, and he won the quarterback job. He's going to start at quarterback for South Carolina on Saturday against Eastern Illinois, which is pretty bizarre all the way around. And listen, there is a lot that I have liked, but the start of the Shane Beamer era at South Carolina. He was one of the guys I mentioned before. I'd watched some of that Marty McGee thing on the SEC network, and I just think Beamer handles himself pretty well. I think his sell job as the Gamecocks coach is not so much, hey, I'm Frank Beamer's son, because that wears thin pretty quick. When I see Beamer selling, and I think this really works, he was born in Charleston, obviously worked at South Carolina, has a lot of what seems to be, comes across as true, authentic love for the state of South Carolina, the Gamecocks program. And so I actually think that Shane Beamer, maybe more so than the other first-year coaches in the SEC, has a chance to do something with his opportunity at South Carolina, but obviously not having Doty for the very beginning of the season and however long that injury lasts, that becomes a little bit of a problem. I mean, I think of, from a gambling standpoint, you may care about this. Like, to me, one of the best unders in the SEC right now is is Tennessee, numbered about six, six and a half, really more like six. I just think that Tennessee's heading for a losing record, and 
If you're thinking about the Vols getting to a 6-6 six and six, or thinking about something along those lines, a game against South Carolina is a real swing game. Or if you're just thinking about first-year coaches who establishes momentum going into year two, beyond just the gambling part of this, Beamer versus Heupel is a big swing game there in that regard. So I think it can be a nice first season for Beamer, but he's going to have to weather the storm here of having a quarterback to begin the year, which is not the one that he planned on having. I think this is interesting coming out of Texas A&M, and the reason why I think this is interesting is because like the one thing that you see from a lot of people, our audience included, like Jimbo Fisher's got no real tie to Georgia. He's you know played against the Dogs in 2019, was offensive coordinator back at LSU, back when you know Georgia and LSU had some memorable games. But for the most part, like there's not a lot of cross pollination between Georgia and Jimbo Fisher. Yet there are a lot of Georgia fans that I hear from when I bring up Fisher, they don't seem to like him very much. And the general sense is that he's like overrated as a coach, even though he's won a national championship. There's just this general sense that he's overrated as a coach. And the best I can tell, some of that is fueled by the fact that Fisher makes just a ton of money at Texas A&M. I mean, like the, when you think about Texas A&M, really a lot of those states and Texas, programs in Texas, but A&M in particular right now, just throwing money just left and right. Just, just I mean, just absolutely backing up the Brinks truck all the time here. And, like, it, you know, Jimbo is making like $7.5 million. And in most people's mind, he wasn't really earning that paycheck, kind of taking a step towards maybe approaching that last season. But prior to that, a lot of folks were kind of wondering, well, when's it going to start for Jimbo at Texas A&M, given the money that he's making? And I think this story is hilarious because while we're just now to the point where anybody can even reasonably say, well, he's actually worth the $7.5 million they have been paying him, lo and behold, now... According to folks that are out there, they're about to give him a big extension that's going to pay him now more than $9 million a year. And it's an extension that's going to you know go through 2030. Now, listen, A&M's doing good things in the recruiting trail, and you know I, I do believe this is a team that's a real threat eventually to Alabama and the SEC West, although I don't have them winning the division this year. But it's kind of funny. People thought he was already making a lot of money and, frankly, already making more money than his on-field results justified. But on the heels of actually having a good season, now they put him into this like crazy stratosphere of like more than $9 million a year all the way through 2030. So A&M clearly has the money to spend. They clearly are believers in Jimbo Fisher. I say this all the time. Recruits themselves seem to be the first to know. And right now there's a little bit of momentum around the program at A&M, and we'll see how much of that translates on the field here this year. I was going to do more on these week one games. Let me just say for now briefly that as we move through Thursday and Friday, we'll talk a lot about Alabama and Miami. Fascinating to me that Alabama finds themselves in the same spot year after year after year where they have dominated week one non-conference opponents in neutral sites. Is it that easy again for Bama this year? Uh, we'll ask that question over the course of the next couple of days. I think Ole Miss Louisville is a ton of fun. I think LSU, after what has obviously been a rough week, there's the Louisiana going to UCLA, a team that uh, won last week in a week zero contest against Hawaii. That's worth your attention. LSU's only a like a four point favorite on the road there at UCLA. So in addition to Georgia Clemson, which obviously has all of our attention, some of these other SEC games are worth the notice there too. Bama, LSU, Ole Miss in particular. We talked earlier in the week, and if you missed one of the shows from Monday, we kind of got into those cupcake-type games that I think are 
probably worth paying attention to. Maybe FAU keeping it a little closer with Florida, Kentucky handling Louisiana Monroe easily in what could be a little bit of a coming out party for a brand new Wildcats offense. We talked about some of that on Monday. But as we move through Thursday and Friday, it's a lot more on the real big games of the SEC. In addition to Georgia Clemson, Bama doing its thing against Miami, LSU on the road in L.A., and a Monday night tilt between Ole Miss and Louisville. We'll do a lot of that then. Plus, also get a couple top 25 matchups in the Big Ten there as well. Texas plays a pretty good Louisiana team, too. So uh, that'll be kind of the dominant portion of that conversation as we move through the rest of the week. For now, we'll make that your SEC through. And Gatorade Roll Call, obviously we'll kind of put that on pause here at least for a moment because the game that's on everybody's mind right now is Georgia Clemson, and that is the subject of our Golden Shoe winner for today. There had been some chatter. We probably contributed this a little bit because – uh, we made you know a little bit of the uh, social media post that initially suggested that Clemson may wear all purple and Georgia may wear all red. We said we thought that was probably fake news, but it was still kind of fun to consider because actually the purple and red on the field together didn't look too bad. It was actually kind of a cool combination. Uh, Clemson's pretty conservative about when it wears its uh, alternate uniforms, but nonetheless, uh, the dog pound tweets out at me saying, People are talking trash about UGA possibly wearing all red uniforms. Meanwhile, Clemson's being sponsored by Nickelodeon. If you're watching on video, you see the purple and orange Nickelodeon logo next to the purple and orange Clemson. That's actually really pretty funny from the dog pound there. We'll make the dog pound our golden shoe winner for today. And we'll remind you, Gator Hater Countdown will be here eventually 59 days from now. Dogs also be Florida, but you got to be Clemson first. We'll see you tomorrow. Dog Nation Daily presented by Harris Cherokee Casino Resort. And on the podcast, time now for the R.S. Andrews podcast, Cool Down. We'll take some of your comments. I know yesterday we were kind of like the video version of the comments uh, for reasons that were kind of beyond our control, but we're happy to be able to do our normal podcast, Cool Down, here today. And, of course, I'll remind you to check out rsandrews.com for your air conditioning, heating, plumbing, electric needs. They'll show up on time. They'll do the work that's promised for the price that's promised. You can check them out today. Let me bounce through a few of these interesting stuff coming through. We talked about the pressure on Georgia against Clemson, Montana dogs said, heck yes, there's pressure on the dogs. Clemson's already proven that they belong in the elite tier of teams that usually make the playoffs. Dogs will do well to help silence the doubters and naysayers by beating Clemson. There's absolutely no reason we cannot win the game. Offer me all the excuses you want, but none of them will matter since both teams are strong and weak in similar areas. It's going to come down to coaching and execution. Can Kirby and Munkin get it done, he asks. Go dogs. I think it's very, very true. And for Georgia, it's, the, it's a different kind of opponent they've beaten in the past. Georgia has proven itself very capable of beating the, the really good tier of, of college football teams. A team like Oklahoma, which has been in the playoffs but hasn't yet won a playoff game. A team like Florida, which has been a competitor in the SEC East but not yet a team that's even qualified for a college football playoff. You know, bowl wins like Baylor, Cincinnati in that same similar category. Uh, Notre Dame, who's you know obviously got a big brand and used that to make the playoff a couple of times, but Notre Dame is a long way f- removed from having a chance to win a playoff game. Georgia's beaten it twice. But teams that have proven themselves worthy of winning playoff national championships, that's the kind of team that under Kirby Smart we haven't yet seen George beat, but that's what Clemson provides on Saturday. Stone also says very few posters agree with me about the importance of this game. It'll have a huge impact on whether Georgia makes the playoffs or not win in the national media, which, let's be honest, does have influence in the selection committee, will be inclined to write more positively about the dogs being a top team. Lose, and it'll be the narrative that has uh, become all too familiar. And I think that Stone's probably right about that. And I wouldn't discount also the fact that for the narrative inside the head of the Georgia players themselves, that it's just very easy to believe in yourself 
when you have tangible evidence to point to why you hold that belief. But asking the players to extend for another full season with the thought of, hey, in a big game, we can win it, boy, you're asking them to strain for a long time after that. Strain in that belief without the actual physical evidence to point that out. The Clemson win, I just think, unlocks that for Georgia so much. Uh, Billy Dog also writes in, Billy Dog won, to say, obviously, if we beat Clemson, odds will be good. We roll into Atlanta 12-0. and Yeah, boy, that's uh, that's really incredible to think of. I guess Georgia what hasn't had an undefeated regular season since 1982. Am I right about that? Undefeated in the regular season. That hasn't happened since then, so that'd be historic in its own way. DC Dog says, Kirby Smart played you and the rest of the press like a fine. Is it Stradivarius? Is that how you say that? Is, what is that? Is that a fancy violin is that what a Stradivarius is I think I've seen one of those before um he says how do you know what Kirby is saying publicly is what he's saying privately well I said on the show yesterday I believe that you couldn't know that for sure but you just hope it is different he says how do you know that Kirby's not building up the kids behind the scenes but telling you something else very good chance that of course he is I would say to that uh DC dog says how do you prevent quote rat poison don't give the press something to write about how do you prevent giving something to Clemson for the bulletin board? Don't give the press something to write about. How do you prevent outside pressure to get to the team? Don't give the press something to write about. Then the press says Kirby Smart's not giving something to write about. Exactly. It just means you guys, the media, have to find something to talk about that makes for the bulletin board material. Well, the thing you should know is, is that my mouth runs like a robot, so I'm always going to have something to talk about. Um, he says you keep talking because the master is playing the Stradivarius. Well, I guess what I would say to that, D.C., is I hope that Kirby's as adept at playing the opponent as he is seemingly at playing the media because you get points for doing that on the field. You don't get points for so-called playing the media. And, you know, I had a chance to talk to Jabo Shaw today. Jabo is the head coach at Raven County, the head coach of Gunnar Stockton, the future Georgia quarterback, UGA quarterback commit. And obviously high school is not college, but one of the things that, you know, Jabo was talking about, and he said this in other interviews, is that you know? Given how many seniors he has in his team, given how he's got, you know, um, uh, a quarterback going to Georgia, that he's been very open and honest. That while you play one game at a time, and you know, you obviously think about that. That ultimately, everyone knows it's a state championship level season. That's the expectation for a program like Raven County, and he was very open in saying that. And I think you know. Like I said, high school's not college, but there are moments in which you just sort of have to acknowledge the way that things are. Smart did a, a good job on that on Tuesday night saying, of course we're trying to win a national championship. Of course that's how we that's how we judge ourselves. And so there just gets to a point where there is no discussion of anything other than we are in it to win it. And anything less than that's not good enough. That doesn't mean that Georgia's going to be any less of a contender next year if it doesn't quite go that way. But but ultimately, when you achieve what Georgia's achieved through its recruiting success and really through its on-field success with everything but those games like this one that matter the most, uh, the only thing left to do is to kind of get those things done. And it's not necessarily a natural progression, right? It's not one of those things where if you just wait long enough, eventually it'll come to you. As we said on today's show, you do have to go out and take it, and that's what George is going to try to do. Uh, Jim Dog eighty five writes in to say, "I remember talking to he says me uh, at Marlowe's in Dunwoody before the twenty seventeen season. You said a victory against Notre Dame would set the dogs up for a special season. You were right then. I suspect that a win against Clemson will do the same thing this year. I think they'll get it done. And Jim Dog, I'm glad you remember that. I think about that a lot about how you know Notre Dame had not had a great season in twenty sixteen. Neither had Georgia." But you could tell that the SEC East was just going to be open. I'm not saying you could have predicted that Georgia would easily win all those SEC East games the way that it did. 
But you saw an opportunity for Georgia there. But you also saw the fact that the Notre Dame game was going to be a hard-fought game down to the wire. You're on the road. You're playing a team with some talent. You were playing a team that wasn't going to give up easily. And that game worked out exactly the way that I think most of us, you included, Jim, kind of thought that it would. Hard-fought down to the wire. Georgia was able to pull it out, and the rest kind of was history. And I have to say, I do see some similarities with Georgia's opportunity here on Saturday as well, that there's so much to be gained by winning. And it's a hard-fought game to get that win. But, man, think about what comes after that if you do get it done. It, it is it is a lot to imagine and a lot to enjoy. Great comments all the way around here. Thanks for being here for our R.S. Andrews podcast, Cool Down Today. Find R.S. Andrews online at rsandrews.com, and they'll take care of you. For your air conditioning, heating, plumbing, electric needs, if your water heater goes out, in many cases, R.S. Andrews can get it uh, back and replaced for you the very same day. But you need to find them online at rsandrews.com. Appreciate you being here. We'll see you back here again tomorrow. Dog Nation Daily presented by Harris Cherokee Casino Resort. We'll look forward to talking to you then.